1: Hello dear listener and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety podcast. This week I'm joined by Dr. Eva Durkin, she's known as the highly sensitive psychologist on Instagram and for this episode we're exploring all things teenage anxiety. So not only going back and reminiscing or, or commiserating on my teenage years where anxiety was rife, but understanding exactly what happens in the teenage brain, why anxiety might be more likely to present at that age, and precisely what we can do about it so it's for parents of teenagers who want to better support their teen it's for teenagers who want to listen and better understand why they're feeling how they're feeling and it's for adults too who want to look back and I guess put a narrative and and make a bit of sense of their teenage experience which for a lot of us was really a very difficult time and this is a really really interesting episode probably one of my most I, I, I learned a lot from it and especially when it comes to the window of tolerance which I think is such an eye-opener and I hope you find this episode as helpful and informative as I did and an absolute must for for the teenage brain. Dr Aoife Durkin the highly sensitive psychologist on Instagram if I had a euro for every time someone messaged me when I share something about Kaylin in particular um, always about him being sensitive. They're like, come here to me. Do you follow Aoife? I know Aoife, you should follow her. Here's a video from the highly sensitive psychologist. I'm like, oh, I know. You are so highly regarded across Ireland and the whole platform. Oh, no, thanks,
2: Caroline. I think I just started sharing my experience of being... I, I, I didn't really even expect it to go that way in the beginning. I set up the platform to launch a course I was... um trying to run at the beginning about attachment and how we can help ourselves tune into what we need to be more regulated parent basically and then it was kind of as it grew I recognized god a lot of people don't actually know anything about high sensitivity or what that looks like and then yeah I suppose me being a highly sensitive person and having a highly sensitive child I thought okay I'll start talking
1: about this more. But this is what makes you so um I think successful in, in my eyes because you're when I think about experts and psychologists, you know, we have this idea in our head of the sort of untouchable, impenetrable, unflappable person who has it all figured out. And it's really nice and reassuring and comforting to hear from experts who are, are totally confident to share their vulnerabilities as well. Like having the piece of paper or the degree or the master's does not mean you're suddenly um impervious to life's stresses, whether it's anxiety with yourself or the challenges of being a parent. And I think breaking that barrier down between expert and just human being, um, I think we need more of that in, in this world. I really do. And I think bringing a personal element into it um makes people connect with you and I certainly, when I was struggling with anxiety to the extent that I was back in 2014, I was kind of turning away from experts. I wanted to hear from someone who was like, I get it. I feel just like you. I know what it's like. And if I had met someone like you who was able to apply that with a bit of the understanding about what's happening in the brain and the body, and it would have just made the world of difference. So I'm so grateful that you are doing what you do and sharing sharing what you share because you can reach so many people. Um, today we are, I mean, I think, I mean, if you're happy to, I would love to have you to come back and, and delve more into like highly sensitive people in general. Cause I think that maybe we are more prone to anxiety also dealing with, um, being anxious as a parent, which is just something that has a lot of my listeners who are parents obviously experienced. But today we're going to talk about teenage anxiety.
2: Yeah great and thank you for all of that that's really kind of you and I do think you're right I think the more and that's a big goal as well Caroline the more we normalise this and not necessarily because we're all human we're all we all experience these things but there is sometimes a tendency for experts to maybe and not that they are well-meaning intention a lot of the time but it can be a very us versus them you know a very kind of medical model sometimes not everybody but a very kind of a child or a teen would go and you're diagnosed with something or you feel even more vulnerable about all that because it's like gosh what's wrong with me you're slapped with you know this diagnosis, or that diagnosis, and you feel, you know, inherently, I'm very different. Whereas the more we talk about these things and create awareness that we all struggle or we all experience pain, and that's going to then manifest in anxiety for some of us, depression, you know, addiction, whatever it looks like, but when we talk about it, it will hopefully help people feel less alone, less weird, and more able to speak out and get help.
1: I think so. I mean, I so vividly remember being a teenager myself. And I mean, at this point, I didn't even identify what I was going through as anxiety. It was just because for me, it always manifested as IBS or stomach troubles. And the amount of experts I went to, who I'm sure meant well, but kind of looked at me as if I just needed to get over it or get on with it or like that it's just all in your head and and actually <laughs> the funny thing is when it, when it is anxiety it, it is what's happening in your head manifesting in your stomach but I I was like you're not hearing me you're not like I'm not imagining this like of course I feel anxious or I feel worried about going out to things because I'm afraid I'll have an upset stomach like anybody would and I was just I mean so much of the anxiety came from just not being heard or understood I think I hope that for teenagers these days that's less of an issue because we're so much more Sensitive to their experience and aware of it um, from an early age. So, I suppose to start, I think it's really important to talk about teenage anxiety. I, I get an awful lot of messages from parents saying, you know, first of all, ask me like, would my book be suitable or would my what I talk about be suitable for a teen? And I don't really know because, like, I've written that as an adult and I'm, you know, communicating to adults. I I know my own adult brain. It's a different brain though for a teenager, right? Yeah, right. Like how they, what they're going to need and respond to is, is different. And even the, the makeup of their brain is different as a teenager. So can yeah. you t- can you first start by telling me why anxiety might be more of an issue at the teenage stage?
2: Yeah. So I, what I might do, Caroline, just I'll lead into that. I might talk to you a little bit about our window of tolerance first and how then and why some of us are more anxious and then what that will look like with the teenage brain um so our window of tolerance is basically our ability to kind of feel safe or our ability to handle stress and adversity then as we get older so some of us are born with bigger windows and some of us are born with smaller windows so let's say you have a child who is born into the world with a kind of you know, easygoing temperament and... What's that like? (laughs) I I know. (laughs) It was only I was saying that to him until my second came along going, whoa, (laughs) this is what an easygoing temperament is. Oh, my God. God." God. Compared to uh, my highly sensitive little man who's the best in the world, but Jesus. Oh, my God, I know. Um, But, yeah, so you have a child like that who, you know, they're their safe zone or their ability to handle stress is a little bit bigger. Now, as they get older, if that child experiences any trauma or, you know, abuse or neglect, or they experience loss or there's a separation in the family, that window for that kid might get smaller and smaller. Mm So we can kind of understand that then that they might be more prone to anxiety and depression later on because that window or that optimal safe zone has shrunk a little bit. Okay. Then you have a child like me, you know, or, or my son or myself who just comes into this world with a smaller window anyway.
1: So- and that's nothing to do with your nurture. That's just nature. Oh, that's nature, Caroline. Exactly.
2: It's okay. different kind of genetic getting biological variations of why a sensitive person might come into this world with a smaller window so it means that they are just going to be more sensitive to stresses as they get older they'll be the kids who are just going to feel a lot more Mm -hmm. so the reason I'm kind of telling you this or talking about this is it's so important to understand because it can take away the shame, firstly, for these teens, if you're listening, or the parent who's wondering, what is happening to my child? Well, they were OK. Yes, they were maybe a little bit fussier or a bit more you h- harder to soothe when they were younger or had a lot of big emotions. But now I have this teen who's highly anxious. or really depressed. But if we can understand the window of tolerance and we understand mm. it with this lens, then we might understand, OK, I have this child here. With, who has a smaller window who then because of their more sensitive nervous system who then when they that we become teenagers all of a sudden our brain our prefrontal cortex is kind of developing more but all of a sudden we're realizing where we fit in the social world we start comparing ourselves we start judging ourselves this is all a normal part of brain development but because I was only listening to Dan Siegel who's a a, one of the trauma experts talk about this recently because the teenage brain is at a more heightened state of emotion so it's when we're at our most emotional basically even more so than childhood or adulthood because we're feeling everything so much then you can imagine what might happen for a teen like this who begins comparing themselves or judging themselves, who already has a smaller window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. You're going to get bumped out of that window a lot quicker into hyperarousal, which is a lot of anxiety or hypoarousal, which is kind of our more depressive states.
1: That is so interesting. I, Of all of the things that I've read and explored, that the window of tolerance is an idea I've never come across. How do we know if what our window of tolerance is like and is it something that can grow and become bigger? Yeah, definitely. And that's why you have
2: like, conversations like this are so important. And the more we understand it is so important because we can really, you know, the research is so fascinating on this, but we can really help it grow. And if you're a parent listening, it's so empowering because it's like, OK, even if because I know parents tend to blame themselves so yeah. much sometimes with stuff or, you know, I meet so many parents who are like, oh, God, Eva, I had a more sensitive kid that I didn't know was sensitive. I'm so easygoing myself. I didn't know that this child needed to be maybe handled a bit more sensitively. So I just treated them the way I treated my other kids. And then they're really anxious. Is this all my fault? Yeah. so it's so important to take the blame away from them like firstly this is all relatively new we didn't know about this kind of thing um and we can all thanks to neuroplasticity which is our brain's ability to change with its environment and in relationship we can always start to work on changing our brain and our nervous system now or, or not even changing yeah like helping it helping it get stronger and, get and stronger and grow and the kind of the, the most important way that that's going to happen is by connection and in relationships so staying connected you know helping ourselves learn how to be more compassionate you know even the I know it's always a simple skill but it sounds simple but it's actually really hard the more we help kids or ourselves for that matter learn how to notice how we feel Mm -hmm. you know somatically understand what's happening in our body sit with that know what our body needs to feel better when we're anxious when we're low when we've got bumped into our fight or flight the more we can teach kids what they need to do that will continue widening that window
1: okay that's so interesting so I mean ideally for, for ourselves and a lot of people in our generation we we probably did not have this awareness and god love our parents probably tried their best but we're just a bit of like i ah, get on with it your are grand and had no awareness of sensitivity which probably explains a lot of us maybe anyone who is in our generation who did have anxiety as, as a teen um you know we weren't we weren't maybe supported in a way going into it that would have maybe made it a little bit easier but for people listening who Obviously, people listening who have young kids can now be aware of that, and I'm I'm really aware of it with Kayla. Now I'm aware of it to the extent that I know he's super sensitive, but I don't I don't necessarily always know what the right thing to do is, um, and I certainly blame myself for it because I think oh he's like this because I'm I'm like this. Um, but first of all, do you hear my belly gurgling? Stop it! My belly gurgles when I'm relaxed, like so loudly, and you've got such a soothing voice that I'm just like getting really chill here um (laughs) for people who are already teenagers who can't go back in time and you know foster that window of tolerance and and make it expand and the comfort zone and everything what I I suppose I want to talk about what we can do for them but I want to understand a little bit more then about where they're at so take for example me as a 17 year old um I obviously now realize that I was living with a very small window of tolerance and I think I was okay for quite a while. And suddenly I started to feel, I remember I went to Italy with my friends and I was like, I was really confident at the time. And I went away and I just did not have a good experience. And I started, I think I just got a bit panicked. We were really in a very remote place in Italy. Now we were with my friend's family, but I wasn't with my family. And I think I just was a bit unnerved by being there and being away from home. And I was a little bit fragile. And all my friends who were there were like, we're going to go mad, like we're going to go hang out with all these boys, these Italian wild boys. And um, I started to feel unwell very quickly. And I, for days, was on the phone to my mom, sobbing, crying, being like, I'm not well, I'm not well. And she was like, God, it must be some like super bug that's lasting for so long. And I just knew in my heart, I just knew this is not a bug and I'm not going to get there. I wanted something that I could pin the blame on to be like, it's not me. And I remember so vividly trying to drag myself out and go, and I lost so much weight because I couldn't eat. I was so ill. And to be honest, like I was just having diarrhea all the time because stu- I was so fraught. And I remember we went in the car with these guys who like they lived in the town it's like mountain region town in the middle of italy middle of fucking nowhere and it was like we're gonna go for a drive and i felt so unsafe in the car and they were like driving like they go driving for fun and they were driving like up and down um all these like these little kind of mini mountain things and um like asking us to like hold the wheel for them you know like just really unsafe And I remember just feeling, no, I I had already started to feel unwell. So it wasn't because of that, but like that moment of fear, I guess, um, and feeling so out of control. And I was like, I'm going to be unwell. I'm going to be unwell. I'm going to be unwell. And like, I had to make them drive me to like another town to get, to go to the bathroom. And I was like, just get me the fuck home. And I thought that when I got home to Ireland again, I'd be okay. And I wasn't. And it just kind of started from there. And then very suddenly I felt so isolated from my friends because I wasn't going to go into school and be like, I'm having this shit all the time and let me broadcast that. I was like, they're like, what's wrong with you? Are you still sick? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I missed, so this was my fifth year of school. I missed pretty much all of it. I was so bad. I was in and out of hospital trying to find anything to justify what it was, like cameras up, cameras down, cameras in, cameras out. And I remember I started to like experience panic attacks, but I still didn't know it was anxiety because... We didn't have that language then. We didn't have that awareness. And for me, it was like, well, I'm panicking because I'm afraid of having diarrhea or being that unwell outside of my home. And I remember going to a house party and like I just felt so alien because the rest of my friends were wanting to get as far away from home as possible. They were so confident and at ease in themselves. And at the same time as everyone else was spreading their wings... I was retreating more and more and more. And I was only okay when I was at home. And I had an incredible DVD collection because all I wanted to do was sit there and watch DVDs with my mom. And I would look for any excuse to not have to go to things. And this went on into my college years where I wouldn't even, so where I live in Dublin or where I lived was like a 10 minute walk from DCU which is the university I went to and I'm so lucky I lived that close because I wouldn't even entertain the idea of going any further because what if I didn't feel well and I was that far away from home and I would definitely not feel well because I was far away from home and um, so it was like this invisible string kept me tethered to home and um, it was really like incredibly incredibly hard incredibly isolating I I think I flipped from hyper arousal, like you say, into hypo arousal at one point where I just was like, I'm so different. What is wrong with me? And I just went, you know, I just didn't want to be here anymore. And all of this is happening without ever having a conversation about anxiety. Um, and so that was kind of my teenage experience. Like it was really, really, really bad. Um, and and then in my twenties, I kind of, I, I found my feet again. I got confident and then it wasn't until I was 25 that I really identified it as anxiety when like the shit really hit the fan for me and I couldn't not identify it. But I kind of glossed past my teen years when actually they were like so bad for for anxiety. And when I spent only in my 20s, sorry, I'm talking so much, when I realized what I was dealing with, I was like, that's what that was all that time. And there was a few things going on. There was the feeling so much pressure and so othered by my friends I actually just to be, to be honest like I have like one friend from school now I lost touch with everyone because I just couldn't keep up with the same level of social um interaction I made my real friends now in, in college um I think I was a little bit more willing to sort of say how I really was then uh but there was a social pressure there was a social comparison there was the stigma there was um the lack of understanding what was happening and why it was happening um there was no obvious reason to say this is why you're like this you know and every expert saying oh like maybe it's dairy maybe it's gluten maybe it's this maybe it's that um and i didn't what i now know is that what was happening to me was anxiety and what i also now know is that i didn't have the brain development then to be able to rationalize things so having given you that overview i would love if we could like pick apart what you think was happening for me then how how normal it was even though I didn't think it was and what might have what might have helped or how a parent now of a teenage or who's experiencing similar to what I was how they could support their kid because I know my parents didn't have a clue where to be going
2: no and that's the thing Caroline so many don't and they're they're these parents who love their kids so much like yours but just don't know what to do understandably because this wasn't it's kind of new enough us even talking about these things but I'm so sorry that was your experience for those years because they're such formative years and they have it has an impact on us long term do you know when they're hard because like that you're living in a state of feeling really anxious or of feeling really down or feeling really lonely and we know that those years you need loads of connection loads of you know feeling supported and feeling part of the tribe I suppose in a way to for kind of optimal development or for us to feel secure in ourselves or our self-worth to continue to grow so when that doesn't happen like that you can't help turning it inward and feeling so different and so lonely like it's so so isolating um and I'd say Caroline for you like because you you know we're a sensitive child yeah uh growing up in the world with a more sensitive nervous
1: system. And so then, you think I maybe came in with this smaller window and then that window I, was made smaller by experiences? I'd say so. I'd say so from listening to you. I would think now
2: that's my own, you know, my my own um <laughs> I'm like you know we don't put labels on people here's your diagnosis <laughs> I'm only joking but you know what I mean I would imagine you were a sensitive child came into this world just with a smaller window and again if anyone's listening that's not a bad thing you know that's a real superpower in so many ways hence I'm trying as best I can to spread that uh, narrative around it but it does mean that life can be harder because like that let's say you go to you go to Italy which is already you're you're young how old were you when you went like 17 you're still so young like I said we've 17 year olds now they look older they talk older they I thought I was 27 when I was 17 but I your brain or the way you're functioning everything you're still lonely you're still so young you know you still need so much support and so much minding at that age even though we tend to think you know maybe sometimes they don't they we, we really do. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com Let's get this dinner party started But let's say you were going to Italy already the sensitive kid who, you know, needed to feel needed her cosiness or needed her home or needed her whatever to feel safe put into this which was a really terrifying experience up in these mountains driving around these Italian boys who you don't know people taking the wheel like genuinely a traumatic experience of I might not be okay here this is really scary I don't know what's happening I'm away from my home I don't feel safe so if we think about that child who already has a smaller window who then gets bumped out of that window like a catapult In a very scary situation which that was and and, uh, again there was probably loads of little factors leading up to it that kind of were slowly bumping you out and then this happens if that's the event you remember most and then you're stuck out there in the atmosphere of hypo arousal you know so it's like then you're gone and then it can be so hard to bring yourself back in so what sounds like it happened to you was this manifests manifested all physically then you know so your tummy you probably had no idea what was going on so your body was telling you i'm not safe this isn't okay experiencing diarrhea all the time or ibs and then you know what's so hard about that is all of a sudden you're already anxious you don't feel safe you don't feel you know in that optimal zone and now you're worried about going places because your tummy very likely will take off
1: and that and, was perpetuating it further exactly. I, then I started to just not go anywhere and I didn't go on class trips I wouldn't go in, and I would look for any excuse not to go and I found it like that what was what most maybe anxiety about whatever was going on in my life became anxiety about like ha- I, I can't let anyone know because yeah. they'll be like what's wrong with you you're such I mean- weird you know, like why? Why did you go on the trip? Like you're a sap. You know, like all this kind yes, of stuff. I know. Like, I know. It was just. Uh, it's like anxiety just grew and grew, and grew. And, and Caroline, and exactly, and you make
2: such a good point, because if we think about what all children need and all teenagers need and all adults need to feel safe and secure and are for our self-worth to be there, we need to feel loved, we need to feel connected, we need to feel accepted for who we are, safe, and so on. But if the way we're coping with feeling anxious, understandably, is to hide ourselves away in a little ball, in our own little cocoon, away from other people or away from you know seeing people then although that feels safer because it's like well my tummy won't you know act up out here or I'm safer I won't see anyone we're also not getting that connection we're not around people enough to feel you know Uh, oh yeah okay you're you know we're not getting that reciprocity that kind of back and forth with our peers or with other people enough to feel no do you know what I'm okay for who I am so we withdraw and put on this brave face to the world that you know no I'm okay and no one can hurt me here but our needs which are to feel connected and feel accepted just keep getting pushed down because there's no opportunity for us to get them met if that makes sense so it just continually perpetuates it then which is no one's fault it's so hard so hard to cope with all of this
1: it's so hard and it's just so many layers to it as well and like I think not having the first clue about mental health and like you know I remember my parents meaning well would be like you know but like, you're sure you're fine. Like, look at you. Like, what reason would you have to be I know. upset? And like, you know, because I was everything on paper was great, you know, and um, I don't know. It's just I mean, it almost feels really empowering now in retrospect to be like I was always probably dealing with like a smaller window. And um, I also got my brain mapped by a neuroscientist a few years ago. And. It was so interesting. I've talked about it a few times in the podcast, but he, so it looks at, obviously when you like do all, put plug all that stuff onto your head, you would think that, okay, well, I'm going to, it's like a lie detector. You're like, well, I'm going to be stressed now. But oh, I, the, I the way them. that the thing works is that it looks at um, traits, not traits, state. Exactly right. So he was able to see that I had like some kind of slower, slower wave activity in my prefrontal cortex, which he said, probably I've been dealing with all my life that would make my brain have to work that little bit harder than other another person's brain to try and feel calm and feel safe like it was kind of lagging behind a little bit as well as then having like a super active um very busy mind and to me that would have felt like like a sentencing a few years you know when I was a teenager I like oh my god I'm just what how how will I ever live like this but it actually is like okay I could stop blaming myself and I can stop trying to change because Maybe I just am a more sensitive person, maybe I just feel things more than the next person, and that but that level of acceptance is something I've only arrived at in my late twenties and thirties. What about a teenager? How do they even begin to to get there?
2: Yeah, and that's such a good question and actually, Carolyn, I've been shocked so the kind of I don't work with very young kids, but I usually work with kind of ten plus nine maybe plus, but often it's the ten plus but. I'm even explaining this to them about being a more at uh, exactly what you just said about our brain, because you're right that the brain of, of a highly sensitive person or someone who feels a lot, I have a very active limbic system, Do you know, you feel everything so much and maybe our prefrontal cortex, this area isn't you know, for, no, it's it's not, it might not be as strong as somebody else's for various reasons. But again, if we think about that window of tolerance, we can strengthen that all the time. And our main way of strengthening that is empowering ourselves to understand, like if you had had that in Italy, knowing it's okay, Caroline, you are somebody who likes being cozy at home, who likes you're, you know, warmth and feeling safe. And this is really scary. You don't know these people. You're driving around with a you know, random Italian dudes up in the middle of nowhere. And this is scary. It's so understandable that you would start to be worried here or be scared here because, as we know, you have a brain that feels more. So you're gonna feel it, although this has amazing things because you're gonna feel all those, you know, love and joy and creativity and all those more helpful things just to a stronger degree you're also going to feel fear and sadness and shame and all this stuff but if we can empower kids even as young as 10 or whatever even younger than that to understand how their brain works and that actually it's just because of that more sensitive brain and then we can train them and help them know what do I need then in those moments so what do I need when I start to feel more scared than my peers around me where you know more sad than other people about something or for feeling I remember it like I used to you know let's say I was left out of something and my friends who you know were more easy temperaments would be like if I, you know it's grand like in the grand scheme of things it's not a big deal and to me like this was just the end of the world like any anything sad I went through as a teenager because I didn't understand my brain I didn't understand why this was so hard for me genuinely felt like a life or death situation I was like I just don't. I hate being alive if this is how I have to feel because I didn't understand how to help myself I didn't understand this is the kind of brain that I had and had I you know not had I been a bit more empowered maybe it wouldn't have led to so much shame for a long time or feeling so different shame
1: the, yeah the shame and the feeling different is just such a um it's such a roadblock there. And I think that's where teenage anxiety can get really hard, like, because they mightn't even be willing to talk to their parents about it. They mightn't even be willing to identify it within themselves. They mightn't even know how to. So how might a parent recognize that anxiety is getting to be an issue for a child? Like for me now, I would be like, if your kid has lots of tummy troubles, maybe think about there being something else at play there. Yeah, which is great. And you're
2: dead right. Always, always focus on the emotional side of that too. If we have any physical manifestation at all, have a good indicator that maybe there's something else going on here. It can look different for different kids, Caroline. So let's say you have those people who like you or my, I, maybe sometimes who withdrew or who just wanted to be cosy at home and just didn't want to talk to people sometimes or it was just it was safer to go nowhere not interact. But then you have, that which can be complicated too, if you have kids that get really angry as a way of dealing with their anxiety and I hate kind of gender stereotyping but it tends to sometimes we see it more with boys who are experiencing so not always but maybe it's safer for them to be angry so you've got these kids in school who are just you know what we categorize our teachers or people would be like they're just bold you know they're just you know acting out or really angry and or you know whatever this looks like and it can be so hard for the parent or the teacher or anyone in that kid's life because they're pushing everyone away again as a suit of armor it's like they feel really anxious they don't feel okay in themselves maybe experiencing social anxiety or whatever that is put that suit or suit of armor on be kind of more aggressive or pissed off with the world or angry which perpetuates again that feeling of loneliness because people just get annoyed back at them it's so hard to stay regulated as a parent with that um so I think oh we're always trying to be detectives if we can as a parent of recognizing try to always look at behavior as telling us something again I always say that and then I kind of laugh because it's so much easier said than done and I'm always saying that then sometimes feel like honestly I can't deal with my with my son but in as much as we can whether we're seeing you know the child who's withdrawing and playing video games all the time doesn't seem to want to interact with anyone else the child who doesn't uh, used to be outgoing and then all of a sudden doesn't want to see friends anymore the kid who's angry the kid who's maybe binge eating a lot or watching excessive tv you know anything that kind of is taking them away from feeling more connected that's a good indicator that they're feeling anxious about something or or to down about something but that they're being pushed out of that window of tolerance and looking for other ways to soothe themselves
1: So if there's like a behavioral change exactly
2: sorry Carla. Again. and the,
1: the most so the most obvious markers then might be like tummy troubles um, some sort of physical symptom that they're complaining of or a change in mood which might look like anger but it could actually be fueled by fear yeah but they just right. don't realize yeah, or like eating disorders,
2: you know, I remember when I was going through a period of really anxious time in six there, I put on four stone in a year, you know, and in one year, because I was so, so stressed and my way of coping with that was food Do you know uh, and then unfortunately that flip-flopped again a year after that into the complete opposite but it's like if you have a child who all of a sudden your notice is really restricting food or really binge eating a lot or using some some kind of behavioral change that maybe wasn't there before it's a big indicator try not ignore the behavior, God, but uh, obviously the behavior is something to focus on too. But remember that behavior is just telling us something about that person's internal state. So if you're a parent, try as best you can to keep thinking, okay, what might be happening for this kid or for my child?
1: What's also important to talk about is like the way you then approach, if you suspect that the child is maybe, if you want to just check in even and be like, you know, make sure everything's okay in the internal world, the language that you use is so critical at different stages, you know, like, as an adult, you could be quite open and be like, what's going on? Like, you know, do you think there might be anxiety? And you probably wouldn't act defensively about it. A teenager might, because they're like, oh, Grant, like they don't want to maybe, I'm generalizing here, but I know I wouldn't want to have admitted or even considered that fact that, because to me that would have meant weakness or that there was something wrong with me and I don't want that. So it was easier for me to say, no, it's my tummy as opposed to anything else. So how people approached me really mattered. Like the language we use, like is, is, is it different when we talk? How would a parent, if you go back in time and you were my mother as that teen, how would you maybe sit down and be like, "Listen, I know you're struggling with the tummy stuff, but maybe let's look at something else here." And I see I also think like girls and their mothers. For me, anyway, I I, I was so open with my mom about it, but it probably is really hard for boys.
2: I know. I and again, it, it it definitely can be because unfortunately, we can get really wired in to boys as they're growing up that oh Jesus you talk to your mom or it's very it's more it can be and again I hate gender stereotype but it does happen that it's it it the boys might feel more shame for these things because of the cultural component because of all what society expects from them but equally some girls do know as well that it just depends and it can be so hard because the parent being a parent of a teenager I know I'm not the parent of a teenager but I suppose from working with them it's so, so hard because we you can't help blaming yourself sometimes for things. So much of the parents' own unmet needs are going to get activated by you probably even see that yourself, Carla, not to have to answer. But I see it myself, even all of us as parents, our unmet needs will get triggered by our child. And that happens at different developmental stages. But if you're the parent of a teenager, let's say you grew up in a house where you had a very critical parent or you had a parent that was just a little bit emotionally avoidant or that shut you out sometimes. Then you have this teen who you're trying to connect with, who is telling you to F off or who's getting really angry with you. When you're trying to do your best, all of that stuff is going to surface all of those feelings you had or you have the teen who just shuts you out and doesn't want to talk to you and it's like no I'm not talking to you slamming their door maybe triggering the same feeling you had when you were little of a parent shutting you out or just giving you the cold shoulder it can it evokes so much so it can be very hard for that parent to know how to relate or how to talk to their child without feeling angry themselves or without wanting to get very controlling then of the child's behavior because they're really
1: wanting to fix it as well
2: really wanting to fix it exactly exactly so i think the best thing that any of us can do is firstly really work on regulating ourselves secondly remember to go slow with teens it'll be a little look a little bit different but to let them know that you're that you're there that you care even just some things like you know trying to relate to them but you know look I remember I remember when I was younger feeling you know so let's say like that if that if I was your mom Caroline maybe it was like you know when you came home but you know and again everyone don't mind my language use your own language here but it's like I know love you know it's a, don't worry it's so hard you went away there on your own away from home it was scary it's okay and maybe the tummy and your all the diarrhea and your IBS as a result of that is because you were away from home in this scary place and it's so normal and natural that that might have set off a stress response for you. You know, I I just want you to know that I'm here and, you know, I'll mind you and whatever I can do. But it's just really keeping that line of communication. They'll probably tell you, go away, nothing's wrong with me. And if, If you're the parent of a teen, to remember slowly slowly and just keep reminding them that you're there it might take a while it might take a while for them to feel safe enough do you even remember that Caroline like someone would try talk to me and I'd be initially defensive and then if they if I kind of could see that they were still this caring person who loved me and cared about me slowly slowly I might have been able to open up a little bit more but if you're met with defensiveness it's hard
1: yeah like I don't I don't think I ever was defensive because I think I was so desperate to be heard and I was so like I just wanted someone to take me seriously that I was feeling the how I was feeling um and I think had this is not to blame my gorgeous mom who has always done anything and everything to help me with, with anxiety, but we just didn't know. We just didn't understand if she had been able to kind of take a helicopter view of that trip to Italy, for example, and that's just an isolated event and be like, okay, maybe her stress response has been triggered here. And like, these are things she's only now from me talking about it and stuff. If, if we could understand and the same was when I was in my twenties, and my my stress response was triggered massively by this job change. With that, but then I stayed in this state of stress, and then I stayed in, in in really intense anxiety. I think I stayed there because I didn't know how to down regulate again, and I didn't know, I didn't really know what was happening, so I didn't. I just stayed up there in in, in hy- hyper is hyper arousal anxiety. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. And you just get stuck out there. It's so hard, and that's why of our cognitive approaches aren't necessarily helpful for i don't mean won't be helpful at all but i mean we have to really help build up our prefrontal cortex before that's going to be helpful so it's if we can even if you know the work of uh, dr bruce perry caroline i must send you something otherwise honest but it's to regulate relate reason first with kids and I would I would tell parents no matter what age your child is to adopt that approach so he kind of was working with helping us understand trauma and rather than trying to talk things out or you know help a child understand something by talking to them about it it's first by helping them regulate their body so it's first all the somatic work all the kind of either breathing or movement or you know running or walking or all that repetitive movement that will help activate their brain stem enough to then relate with them to remember to just so just focus on the relationship don't worry too much about trying to connect cognitively or help them understand anything cognitively yet it's just regulate help them understand their body has just gone into a little bit of a shock or a little bit of a it's stressed at the moment help model that at home in yourselves How do we do that? How do we help bring ourselves back into balance? really focus on the relationship and then later you know that's when we can help okay maybe for a new situation like this again what could we do that would be helpful or what might you need that will be helpful but that's why sometimes the more cognitive approaches or therapies initially with kids who don't have a well-developed prefrontal cortex yet they're not they just can't grasp it it's because, like
1: putting a band-aid on it yeah
2: kind of, because they're like they don't even have the brain functioning yet to 100% even you know, get what you mean. So that's why. Oh, so um, true. If, if parents can t- adopt the same approach, it would be a, a a big help.
1: It's really, in a weird way, like hard for me to go back and discuss those years because I just feel like I kind of brushed them under the rug, and I was trying so hard to just be like everyone else and be okay. But, but also, I feel like hearing you talk about that. I can almost like in my mind's I go back and tell myself like it's okay. You weren't gone mad. You weren't an alien. You know, you weren't. You didn't come down from Mars. You weren't the only person in the world feeling this way. Um, and it makes. I mean, it does make me as a parent now like a little bit anxious about like the pressure now on parents to like guide their kid through life when. All, a lot of these things are kind of par for the course as well. Like you say, like if the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until we're in our mid-twenties and there's all this social pressure and everything, kind of have to go through a certain element of it. Like we can't shield our, our kids from, from these experiences. But, and this is probably a whole other conversation. Now I feel like there's a fear of just putting a foot wrong then because we do know so much more now, you know, as a parent. But I suppose if, I'm hoping that some teen or teenagers will listen to this as well. So maybe the parents will listen and then ask their, their kids to listen too. What would you say to a teenager who is struggling with anxiety right now, and and like that's really weighted by the the social pressures? Yeah. Okay.
2: So the first thing I would say, and which I kind of even wish I knew, and when I was a younger person, make a coherent narrative of your life. Try and think of your brain. Have an understanding of your brain. If you're a more sensitive person like us, or if you've just gone through things that has made your window a little bit smaller and a little bit more sensitive, then have a think back on, you know, your life. and again, never I'm never blaming anyone's parents because they're always doing the best they could they can. all of them. you know, it's a, without understanding this stuff, sometimes it's so hard. But it's to really notice okay, was I maybe this more sensitive child who as we know about sensitive kids, they need above average levels of soothing and sensitivity to feel okay in themselves. Um. so maybe if you were a more sensitive child and, you know, your family are the best in the world, but maybe they're just weren't as in tune with your sensitivity, might that make a little bit more sense why you continued to feel a little bit more heightened or why it kind of bumped you into that hypo or hyper arousal sometimes? And again, not just about parents, but in school, you know, if you're someone who, felt the excruciating agonizing pain like i did of you know the loss of friendships or being not invited somewhere or breakups or you know any of the any of the normal things we can't shield children from but if you're someone who has a smaller zone It's just going to be so hard dealing with all of that, leading to you as a teenager, maybe having internalised all of that over a long period of time, feeling like something's wrong with you, for feeling so sensed, or feeling so anxious or feeling so ill at ease in yourself it's to remember actually no you know there I was and I have a picture of yourself at like three four five six or have a little you know if you can make an album of yourself through the years and really get to understand that kid at each age and what they were feeling what they might have needed try work on being really compassionate towards them and seeing oh, actually, I just maybe was this more sensitive person who all these things and growing up is so hard and they, it hurt. I experienced a lot of pain because of that, which now has made me feel more anxious in myself for different reasons. But it's okay. I'm okay. It's not what's wrong with me. You know, what happened to me to make me a little bit more like this? If we can help them change the narrative, not I'm an anxious person, I'm a depressed person, and I'm i self harm, I whatever it is, I, I have an eating disorder, I which all these kids are in balls of fear about and shame because they feel so different. If we can help them realize, no, this is a set of symptoms because of your life history, because of living in a culture and a society which maybe isn't always as sensitive to our needs, mm-hmm. therefore we develop in a way that makes us more anxious as teens or as adults but if we can change that narrative change that story understand ourselves a bit more it has a massive impact on how we feel so I think it's that self-compassion piece Caroline really
1: and then want- that's so helpful and then beyond the acceptance or the identifying of it and the being like "Okay, this is what's happening what's the best In your experience, way for the teenage brain to then approach managing the anxiety, or putting in place things like, would it be, would cognitive behavioral therapy be a good option for a teenager? Or, like you say, is the cognitive stuff too much? Or would they be better off finding another outlet to help calm their body down? Yeah, great question. So CBT again definitely has its place, but I I think from what we know about the
2: research and from what we know about everything with their teenage brain is firstly make sure if they are working with somebody that their relationship feels like it fits. If it feels like it's experts telling you to do a certain set of skills, but you're not connecting with them, that's not going to help. We know at that stage of development, well, at any stage of development, but especially then, you just need to feel understood. You need to feel heard. You need to really feel like that person who's helping you gets it. And yes, maybe some cognitive approaches would help. But the most important thing that we need to do is know what this all feels like in our body what does shame feel like what does sadness feel like what are the thoughts then that i mainly have when all of this happens and how can i calm my nervous system so to work with somebody really regulating the body is so helpful, Caroline. So any kind of somatic therapies or... i I kind of always a little bit hesitant to say what therapy would or wouldn't be helpful because I think it really depends on the person, on the therapist, on how much you feel like they get you and they connect with you and they can help. And I think, again, I do... One other thing you've just reminded me of that even uh, Dr. Bruce Perry, he talks about a lot in his work as well, is that sometimes... Because we can get so focused on, you know, okay, what therapist do I need to get or who's the best at this? Remember, if you're the parent listening, you can give so many or a teacher listening. We have such enormous capacity to help each other and you you don't have to be a therapist. We can learn how to do this and give these therapeutic, micro therapeutic doses to ourselves, to our kids, to our friends once we understand how to do that. So And the main way we can understand how to do that is by just learning how to listen, how to sensitively listen and be attuned to somebody else when they're in pain Um, and just to be there for them and let them know that we're there without judging them. That's probably the most important thing any of us could do. Therapist, friend, teacher, parent, whoever it may be. And those micro doses can really help.
1: It's probably so, you know, as an adult, we, we look into how to learn how to like hold space for ourselves so well and like really sit with our feelings. And I don't know, I just, this needs, this needs to be happening at a teenage age so that you can then easily turn to those skills as an adult you know i i feel like i did all my learning as an adult on this stuff when i was in a really bad place and it was out of desperation as opposed to being able to like have the awareness and the compassion and the skills and the understanding to then be able to hopefully like this is something i said we we spoke about um in in our in our back and forth before we recorded that like for me i think you know as hard as it is to experience anxiety like that when you're young or or you know even friends of mine who have like 10 or 11 year olds who are experiencing it and I'm always trying to reassure them that while it can be really hard in the moment if if they do the work now of understanding it and like learning their nature and their the way they are and their their proclivities and their sensitivities it'll make life easier later on because we'll be that much more in tune with ourselves and we might find it easier to move through various stages and phases that someone else might, who never connected with themselves and have that awareness. Like I'm so grateful with with my sensitivity now, as as much as it can be a bit of a ball, like, and and as much as you know, like, as much as I feel, um, you know, I can get so worried like just yesterday like I sent a message into my girls whatsapp group and like I could see that everyone read it and like it was me being a little bit vulnerable and like nobody responded and I like spiraled off in my head about oh like should I not have said that like do they not care does anyone care about me and like all that all that noise is such a downside of it but for me I I connect with people so well I hope I I'm very compassionate I'm very creative I, I I, yeah, I feel like a very present person with people. Um, and I'm very quick to recognize now when something is a little bit off with me. Like for me, my anxiety now is like such a strong compass that rises up for me and points me back in the direction of what matters. And it, it's a useful emotion. It's a tool in itself. And um, so there some of the reasons I think why as hard as it is for a teenager to be going through this, They're building the foundations for a more supported, stronger self as they get older. Would you agree?
2: You said it perfectly. Exactly that. And Caroline, that noise that you experience, if you can, I mean, I would imagine you probably do work on this, But because I have the same kind of noise as you, but it's remembering, you know, this always it's its getting re, really building on that compassionate side of you that's able to go, it's okay, Caroline, you're okay, love. You always have, you always think these things. You always then spiral and worry, you know, you, you turn it inward again. You're okay. So it's to build up as much as we can that side of ourselves that can pick us up give us a hug you know I know that sounds real cringe but you know that's able to really take care of us that's like like for me it's the same as even. it's like Aoife here you go again worrying that you said something wrong or that people don't like you or that you should be ashamed of yourself you're okay this always happens when you feel vulnerable now what do you need again that helps you? And
1: I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. That's the thing. I think what's really important for a teenager to realise and what I certainly thought, I wanted to get over it and never feel it again. Like my perception of anxiety was like, oh my God, it's like something that's taken over me. And what was probably the hardest part in in all of it in my twenties as well was realising these feelings will probably always come up and, you know, life will bring anxiety to the fore in different ways. Like I said, just yesterday, I'm there thinking, oh my God, nobody likes me. And it's, being able to quickly recognize it and know how to respond to it and that's to me is owning it it's not never feeling it it's it's meeting yourself where you're at and knowing how to soothe yourself work with yourself and and i think as a teenager we're so programmed to work against ourselves um and i just hope that this conversation will will help both parents and the teens themselves be like okay let's stop resisting where we're at um as that just creates more tension and let's just start with, start with where we're at and work from there. Um, You have an incredible asset, a resource available to anyone who wants to take this further. Tell us about your course.
2: Um, Yeah, so I'm starting Empowered Teens, which starts on Monday, January the 30th. So I'll be running two groups, one for 16 to 18 year olds and one for 13 to 15 year olds. So it's an eight week group and basically it's going to, Touch on everything we just spoke about today, but I'll be really helping them understand their brain and how they can help themselves help them build their self-compassion I'll also help the parents for the first week there'll be a kind of an hour and a half to two hour session with me where you can tell me what you're most worried about and I can help you understand how to help them and how you can stay connected with them hopefully giving the parents a bit of confidence of how to you know interact with their child or whatever they're worrying about um so yeah so that's the goal of the program so hopefully Hopefully that will um, be a good resource if anyone needs it.
1: Tell me where people can sign up and where they can follow you. And like you sh- obviously share lots of content, which is really helpful. Um, so yeah, where can people go?
2: Um, yeah, so my Instagram is at Highly Sensitive Psychologist, or if you're not on Instagram, my website is www.doctorifadurkin.com, and if you're looking for empowered teens, there's just a, a drop down box, sorry, I'm, I'm horrific at technology, I'm still trying my drop down box, I'm sure it's called something else, but you know, you can find it on my website. Um, so yeah.
1: Amazing. Sorry to find oh. Eva thank you so much um I feel like this was as always my episodes turn into like a therapy session for me which the listener may or may not appreciate um but it really is healing to go back and you know place put put a narrative on what was happening then and be like okay that all made sense and you were okay and you know if only you had a bit more um awareness and support through it but here I am now and I'm 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 doing the work now and I hope that this will give parents a sense of um where to start with their t- anxious teen or what to look out for how to approach it what to say what might help and also to the teens who i hope are listening i mean you're certainly not alone there are so many resources there um and if you're brave enough to open up about it and, and you know you, you'd never know the connection you might make with another friend who feels exactly the same and the weight that that might lift off you as well um and life as a teenager feels like a be all and end all but it will get easier
2: that's great yeah you're so right you perfect way of putting it it will get easier I remembered you feeling like it wouldn't but it did and I'm so grateful now that it did so like, hang on in there if you're listening and not feeling good at the moment I promise things can change